All right, hey, thanks for tuning in. Uh, obviously, as you know, my name is Ant. Uh, this is an MI Productions LLC uh, show. Uh, what we have going on today is an individual named Jeff Styles. And if you're anywhere in the state of Tennessee, you probably know this guy. Uh, he's somewhat of a radio personality. He's been in our households, been in our cars. He's been a part of our lives for the better part of the past uh, two decades, give or take. Right now, he has he has Jeff Styles America. If you've been paying attention to the news, paying attention to pretty much anything other than the fact that if you're living under a rock, you know there's some bullshit going on that you definitely want to tune into. He's going to tell his side of the story exclusively on uh, these two websites, JeffStylesAmerica.com and MIProductionsLLC.com. He's going to take it off from here. I'm more than likely just going to keep my mouth shut and let this man take the uh, take the wheel and tell us what his side of the story is to everything that's going on here. Thank you. And um, I have dubbed you the dude in black. Dude in black. <laughs> Thank you so much. MIProductions.com. And again, Jeff Styles. America.com. Yeah, and my productions LLC.com. I, yeah. I am sorry. You're, no, you're see. quite all right. The LLC is in there. And I actually, pro- it, will, it, will, it will be generally in Jeff Styles America is the name of the show that I hope to continue to do after I tell my story. And I'll jump into it very quickly. Um, things have happened of late. We will get to that in another podcast. Today, all I want to do is just is tell the official story of what happened, and I'm going to tell you the true story of what happened. This is a cautionary tale. It can happen to you if it can happen to me. This is a promise. It was a road rage incident, but it was a one-way road. It was Friday, payday, Father's Day weekend. I've got six kids and a grandkid. Father's Day weekend is a big deal. It was my first vacation since May of last year when I broke my leg. I was giddy. I'm leaving my home up on Lewis Chapel Mountain, which is overlooking beautiful Dunlap, Tennessee, in the Sequatchie Valley, home of the Tennessee Treetoppers, the world's oldest and most successful hang gliding club. That's what brought me to Chattanooga. I'm going down to Riverbend, my second gig, where I book bands, and I'm going to introduce some bands, and I'm in a great mood. Here is what my attacker and the investigator, I'm going to say that very slow and sound it out phonetically so he can keep up with me. The investigator essentially Xeroxed his statement, completely left out everything out of mind. So let's go with that first, if we may. On 6-15-18, that was Friday, uh, the second Friday of Riverbend, uh, at approximately 16-27 hours, that would be about 4-30, I believe, Chattanooga police were dispatched to Highway 153 at Grub Road, first mistake on a person shot that would be me upon arrival police found the defendant suffering from a gunshot wound to his right arm that's true man in black can see that dude in black can see that it's ugly police were advised by the defendant that the party who shot him left traveling south on highway 153 at approximately 1644 hours do the math all right so dispatched received a call from the other party involving unnamed Police were sent to the Tennessee River Park, located at 4301 Amnicola Highway, where, unnamed, was already detained by a park ranger who had overheard the radio traffic. Keep that in mind. He had already been blue-lighted. I'll come back to that. I interviewed the defendant at Erlanger, that's me, where he was being treated for his injury. Defendant advised me that he and, unnamed, had gotten into a road rage incident on Highway 27. Well, 
I was trying to stop road rage. The defendant advised when he reached the intersection of Grub Road while traveling on Highway 153 South, he had to stop at the red light. Let's go back for a second. This is important. It was a Boy Scout road. It was right off of 27 on 153, the very first stoplight. This is a problem. This is a sticking point for me. This kind of just leads into where this whole thing goes. It's wrong. This, what I'm reading is wrong. It's maybe 30% correct. All right. All right, so unnamed pulled up behind him again. This is after already 14 miles of being pursued, stalked, terrorized, threatened, attempted homicide by a vehicle, by running me off the road that nobody has acknowledged yet. We'll come back to that. That I pulled out a tomahawk, that is true, from a bag and exited the vehicle This goes haywire here again. Walking back to unnamed's driver's side, the defendant advised him once he reached unnamed's door that he blacked out. The biggest error in there. I've never blacked out my life in a lifetime of partying the most you can't even imagine. I've never blacked out. I remember every dumb thing I've ever done. I promise you. This may have been dumb. It may have been smart. But I remember every single second of it. Only coming out of it after unnamed shot at him, and proceeded to take off in his vehicle. He didn't shoot at me, he shot me. I interviewed, this is the investigator, unnamed, at the service center after he had been advised to go there, after he'd already been blue-lighted. He did not call 911 for 18 minutes. I called within two. Just want to go and get that in there quick for those of you who might lose. Uh, where he was being transported from the river park. He advised while traveling on 27, the defendant began driving aggressively. He was behind me the entire time. He was never not behind me. Keep that in mind. You will hear the 911 calls later on in another podcast. And he actually admits to that. All right. Bullington advised he slowed down to create some distance from the defendant, but eventually caught up with him at the red light on Highway 153. True, he did slow down because he was on a suspended license from a crime he committed on December 23rd. It had actually been dealt with on June 5th, 10 days before my encounter. He had no right to carry. He was on a restricted license, but still I got charged. All right. So unnamed advised the defendant, then proceeded to exit his vehicle and approach him with the tomahawk in hand. Incorrect. Advised once at his door, the defendant swung the tomahawk, breaking through his window. I did do that. And then unnamed advised he was in fear for his life, so he grabbed his pistol, one round at the defendant, and fired. One round at the defendant. Unnamed advised he then proceeded to leave the area to find a safe place to call police. All the way down 153, past Hicks and Pike, down the rest of 153, across the river, across the dam, turning right onto Amnicola Riverfront, and pulling into the darkest, most desolate place he could find during Riverbend, the fishing pier. A safe place. He also knew he had shot me and he'd seen me pull over. I'm not sure what he was afraid of, but he is a pathological liar. Um, this is an amazing, excruciatingly painful for me, breathtakingly egregious misjustice. And I can't imagine that the investigator could have gotten to a point in his career where he could have been so inept that he could miss so many points to get this so wrong. 
and then followed up by all the media that took this. Keep in mind, in the first three to four days, I was seen as the victim. At the scene, I was seen as the victim. At the hospital, I was seen as the victim. At jail the next day, I knew I was going to be arrested. My God, do you want somebody being able to jump out in your home community and whack a tomahawk at your window and bust it out and not go to jail no matter what's happening? If you get in a fight in Tennessee or Georgia, you go to the principal's office. You go to the police. Everybody gets arrested. They figure out what's going on. They keep the bad guy, and they let go of the good guy. That didn't happen in this case. That's the reason I said it's a cautionary tale. If it could happen to me, it could happen to you. All right, I do want to interject here, and I know that I said that I would uh, promise I would inter- to keep my interjections at, at a minimum, but obviously for me here, I made it a point not to listen, not to watch the media, not to watch the news, because I knew that this me was... Too. Yeah, yeah, I knew that this was upcoming, and I knew that we would, uh, we would have you on and, and do this whole thing, so I wanted to do this as a completely unbiased uh, listener, I guess, is what I wanted to do while we were recording the show. And the biggest thing that I heard during that, if I if I just uh, as a listener watching the news, whatever, take everything per truth. Let's just assume, and a big assumption here, assume everything that you've read here was uh, was the was the truth. It's not, but you can assume it's that. not. But everybody that's what I'm else saying. has as an assumption. Let's assume that everything was true. From what you're telling me, that this event happened uh, between what times? Four thirty, four. About the time I left the house, live on the far side of the mountain. Four ten, four twelve. By the time, well, can I tell my story in the next segment? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to tell your side of the story, but yeah, and, and it ended about four thirty-five at a very crowded stoplight at Boy Scout Road, not Grub Road. That's where I called 911 from, and that's where they responded to. I've listened to the scanner traffic, and I could hear the mistake being made. I have corrected everybody. It doesn't matter. Well, what I'm just saying is let's just say per – let's just assume and make a huge assumption and just say – that the scanners, the cops, whatever, everybody was being very sure. truthful. Let's just assume sure. this incident would have happened between 4 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. Yes. Okay. Generally. Generally. Uh, well, let's just compact it a little bit because everything time. happened pretty quickly. So let's just say between 4.15 and 4.30. Is that is that a good general assumption? Yes. Okay. Daylight, very much. Yes. Okay, so we're... Heavy traffic, Friday. Heavy traffic on Friday, on daylight, between 4.15 and 4.30 p.m., we're making a huge general assumption that there is a crazed tomahawk man swinging a tomahawk around. Jumps out at a stoplight for no reason. No reason. Uh, At a busy stoplight between 4.15 and 4.30 with a tomahawk swinging at this vehicle. Yes. Okay. Just making sure I am up to speed. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's rather sensational sounding, isn't it? Um, and, of course, the sensational aspects are what have made the headlines. Um, the fact is, I gave my story three times before I even gave it officially to the investigator. And it has not changed. It has never changed. His story has changed repeatedly. Um, We'll talk more about what recently happened at a hearing. This is still ongoing, and I'll be frank, I'm taking a risk. I hope you're not taking a risk, dude in black. Um, As a matter of fact, I'll come back and tell my story. But first, let me go ahead and say, this is where you, as a listener to this podcast, could become an advertiser 
on only in Jeff Styles America or JeffStylesAmerica.com or MIProductionsLLC.com. Thank you very much. Right here is where we would probably be inserting, oh, I don't know, maybe a social media hookup site, a psychiatric facility, rehab facility. Maybe a 30-second bumper of whatever your website may be. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the section of the self-help books at the local library, it's up to you. Mavis Staples, produced by Wilco's Jeff Tweedy. You're not alone. And I'm serious about this. This has affected my life dramatically. And I want people out there who are going through something, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it involves sociopaths on the road, or tomahawk-wielding madmen, or bad police work, or just getting caught up in the gears of the system, I promise you there are people out there who will support you and back you. You're not alone. Absolutely. And what I'm going to do on MIProductionsLLC.com is we do have some forums I'm going to open up. So if you have any personal stories, if you have any personal anecdotes that maybe you want heard, maybe you want told on uh, one of our two uh, shows, definitely let us know if uh, if we think that we can help in any way or maybe just give exposure to whatever your story is. Definitely go ahead and drop us a line. Tell us your story. If uh, you don't want it put out into a public forum, uh, you can drop me a straight email. It's going to be at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at MIProductionsLLC.com. I'll give it a review, maybe look it over, get in contact with you, and we'll definitely make sure your story is heard. Uh, But as of this story here, as of right now, from the quote-unquote official standpoint, is that a crazed tomahawk man between (laughs) 4.15 p.m. and 4.30 p.m. For no reason. For no... After swerving and terrorizing a person behind him for 14 miles. Yeah, for no no provoke... That's not provocation. What what are you talking about? He didn't provoke you in any way. Uh, A proverbial Jason Voorhees jumped out of his vehicle uh, swinging madly at uh, at a completely, quote-unquote, innocent... Uh, driver. So interesting that you'd bring up Jason. I'm going to bring up Michael Myers in just a second. I do want to say thank you to my three attorneys. Um, very, very good friends and remarkable people. And also the webmaster that did hook up JeffStylesAmerica.com. We will continue with that website and storytelling. Uh, might as well go ahead and give a shout out to Carlos Bailbonds. They did a very good job as well. Um, we did have advertisers set up. And allow me to take just one second and say... I am so sorry to all the friends of Bobby Stone, um, an old friend, a dear friend, and many of the people that were supporting me in this new venture since I have been on suspension without pay for almost two months. As a matter of fact, this airs on Monday the 13th. On Wednesday, it will be two months. So my life has been ruined. Um, But these people were there. But after Bobby's death last Saturday, there's no way on God's green earth I was going to conduct business. So just let me say that. We will miss you, Bobby. Um, the official story ends with unnamed. Advised, he then proceeded to leave the area to find a safe place to call police. A witness known to this investigator. Verbiage never before seen in an affidavit of complaint. Witnesses need to be named. If the police can't name a witness then how could the media name a witness? If you can just make up somebody not unknown to this reporter, 
how in the world is there any credibility there? And so far, no witness has come forward. Let me tell you who the first witness would be, his girlfriend, who he was on the phone with the entire time due to his own testimony. He is on a suspended sentence from a crime, which let me go ahead and point out was December 23rd, stealing his neighbor's kayaks and pawning them on Christmas Eve. Stole them on Christmas Adam. That's something me and my friends celebrate the Adam again before Eve. And then Christmas Eve, he pawns them and gets busted. Suspended sentence, no carry permit. 14 priors in Florida. Go to JeffStylesAmerica.com and check out those pictures of the priors in Ray County. This man is out on the streets with your children, your wife, your mother, whoever it is. He is a sociopath. As a matter of fact, I told the police, and I've told the judge, and I've told several people, it would not have been as frightening had he looked angry. He did not. He looked like this is something he had done before. And keep in mind, as I'm about to read my story, you're about to hear a whole lot more information, and the story has an end and a middle and a beginning, and it has a reason for his road rage, even though it's illogical. I mentioned the Michael Myers thing. Literally, his face looked like the William Shatner mask. No emotion whatsoever. None. All right, let's go. This is my story. This is the official release that apparently really ticked off the Chattanooga Police Department because of the very first sentence. Because of the substantial prejudicial effect of recent publicity initiated by a media release from the Chattanooga Police Department. Those are not my words. Those were the attorneys. But there's no doubt it had a prejudicial effect. Again, I was the victim until the official report came out. And I never said anything negative about the Chattanooga Police Department. Their response time was remarkable. I mean, by the, I called 911, and I, I was still on the phone with 911. You'll hear the 911 call in a later podcast. When they drove up, it was incredible. But the investigator or someone above him actually ruined the story, ruined my life with this story, and put an official city logo at the top of it. So somebody is to blame. All right. Jeff Stiles first encountered unnamed on Highway 111 shortly after 4 on Friday, June 15th. Several miles from the site were unnamed shot Stiles. That would be about 14. Now, he says it happened on 27 South. So he apparently was not supposed to be on 111. And it was after, there's only two exits up there. One goes down into Dunlap. One goes down into Soddy Daisy. We'd already passed the exit. I was passing a tractor trailer. And this guy came up behind me at 95 to 100 miles an hour. I didn't see him in the distance. He suddenly was just there. I actually had to gun my engine to keep him from making contact with my back bumper while we were still passing the truck. This is what started it. This motion right here. Dude in black, what am I doing? I'm looking in the rearview mirror. So, more or less, he's just uh, saying that he's there. That go ahead and go around. Or, back yeah, back I, off. I'm, I'm over here. Back like, off. There, there was, it goes from three lanes down to two. Passing a tractor trailer, apparently not at the speed that he desired. More or less, the gesture that was being given is... Not a, a finger. Not a finger. A very non-threatening 
hey, I'm over here. Pass, get behind, do Thank something you. non-threatening. Just uh, if I want to explain it, four fingers, the, uh, your thumb is kind of tucked in well, into your my, palm. That's because my hand is now has no <laughs> nerve endings in it because of the gunshot. But I, I'm just explaining the yeah. way I see it. Back just, off. Get just, off my yeah. butt, man. Get off my butt. Just, just raise Thank it up. Thank you. Just non-threatening. Do something. Just don't be near me. Instead that, of passing styles, it continues. Uh, unnamed, flip him a bird, following him over to the right-hand lane and drove dangerously, dangerously close to Styles' car. Now, when we say dangerously close, I never even saw the grill of this guy's vehicle. He was in my tailpipe. I moved over in front of an 18-wheeler going down a mountain, a mountain, 4.2 miles. There's no left. There's no right. There's no exit. You're in a bobsled chute. You're going down. I got over in front of this 18-wheeler as quickly as I could. He inserted himself into the little bit of space that was there. That's the truth. And that's what pissed him off, was me telling him to back off. Never seen this guy before in my life. I didn't want to ever see him again, but I did. Unnamed then moved into the left-hand lane, sped up to get beside Styles, and pointing his hand at Styles made a gun-firing motion with his hand. He did. This is after several birds. He then proceeded to move into the right-hand lane and attempted to run Styles' vehicle off the road. Actually, even my attorney got this one right. He did run my vehicle off the road. I, the only time he was not in my rearview mirror was when he was in my, not in my driver's side mirror at the driver's side window. The right quarter panel of his car, our truck, was underneath my mirror, and he was leaned over. His entire body weight was leaned over to the passenger side. Like his body weight was going to just draw him into me. I completely went off the road, left front and rear tires in the rumble strip. The rest of my vehicle's in the gravel, and we're heading toward a runaway truck ramp. Not the best case scenario. I slow down. I proceed to get back on the road. I've known too many people who have jerked off over into the road after being off and ended up flipping. So I know that you've got to slow down. He slowed down with me to stay behind me. That's the truth. All right. That is the truth. I testified to this under oath, gave several statements. My version of the story has not truly been told until now. It was completely ignored. With unnamed, now behind him, Styles sped up in an attempt to get away. Unnamed followed him onto Highway 27 South, still dangerously close. Styles could see him in the rearview mirror, now pointing at the weapon, which was apparently in his lap. Actually, he brandished it to me in the rearview mirror. All I could see was a trigger guard and a short muzzle. I, it could have been a Tech 9 with a 50-shot magazine. I have no idea. Now convinced that unnamed was going to pull up beside him and shoot him. I'm sorry. Let me go back. Finally able to get distance between himself and unnamed. Styles took the Highway 153 Hickson exit. Remember, I'm going to Riverbend. I had no reason to be getting off on 153. I sped through four Soddy Daisy exits. And speeding for me is 85 miles an hour. I'm white knuckling it. My hands are at 10 and 2. He fell back. Why? I can only speculate. Probably because he didn't want to get in more trouble since he just resolved that case 10 days before, and he knew that. But I was hoping to get pulled over. Normally, you, you speed past four Saudi days, you're going to get pulled over, folks. It's going to happen. It didn't happen that day. So, now convinced that unnamed was going to pull up beside him and shoot him, Styles grabbed his military-grade tomahawk, this is at the light, at 153 and 
What? Boy Scout Road. Boy Scout Road, not Grub Road. I've done, I've done, the, I've done the mileage. 0.3 miles. I looked behind me. There were eight vehicles between me and him. I could see him getting off. Eight vehicles. I stopped at the red light. Maybe that was a mistake, but I thought I had a buffer. He found a way to get directly behind me, came up, almost hit my bumper. I expected impact. He flipped me off again. Okay, so before uh, you said Boy Scout was the exit yes. on the official Yes, it was thing? actually, it's, it's 153 off of 27 South. Okay, so between what your statement is and what the actual, like the, not the actual, but 4.2 the, miles of terror. Okay, so between what the uh, official quote-unquote statement yes. is and between what your statement is, what is the distance? What is the difference between what the, the statement says the, and ju- what you're saying? Just at four and a half miles of 111. Okay. No, nobody ever mentioned or put down on paper in any official capacity that it began at the top of the mountain on 111. And the crime of terroristic threats and actions, flip me a bird, chasing me, brandishing a weapon, vehicular homicide, trying to throw me, all, all of this is negated. And at least two media outlets actually put his words into my mouth and said, Styles had earlier agreed that it began on 27 South. I never agreed to such a thing. Never, never. Ever. Just one of the many things that was wrong. Okay, so assuming uh, between the distance of what you're saying in your statement and the previous statement, assuming you guys are going approximately, let's just say conservatively, 60 miles an hour, there is about four minutes to five minutes that are unaccounted for between the official statement and your statement. Yes. Okay. And all the crimes that were committed up until the shooting. So there's approximately, let's say... Let's just say f- four minutes. Let's say four minutes of unaccounted for illegal activity between your sta- uh, between your statement and the official statement. Absolutely. Okay. Now I'm just I'm gonna finish this up very quickly. Um, this is again my attorney's statement. So I was concerned. This this goes into a little bit of just my inner thinking. That point three miles where I saw him behind me was before we went under the overpass so there's another 0.4 miles to the light i've timed that light at 25 seconds i'm the first one to the light i stop all the cars move out of the way or he gets in front of them he comes up almost hits me flips me a bird points to his lap again i know he's got a gun i've already made the decision not to reach for two firearms that i have in my backpack sitting next to me that I am proficient with, that are legal, and I am allowed to carry. I have a permit to carry. I took all the classes. I am very proficient in shooting and hitting what I shoot at. As a matter of fact, there's a video, if you go to jeffstylesamerica.com, that shows me being proficient with my wife's weapon, which is one of those. There was a third firearm in the back that the police have not accounted for. They took it, but they say they have two and one reload. Why would I have a firearm and not have a reload? There were three reloads, and I could tell you the firearms. It, it's absolutely amazing to me the flawed nature of the report. But I was 100% convinced at that point, once he got behind me again and made those threatening gestures again, that when that light turned green, he was going to come up and shoot either out of his driver's side or passenger side window. I would be in my vehicle moving and I would just be a silhouette for whatever weapon he had. I made my decision right then and there that it had to stop. 
Uh, what were the what were your three options aside from the tomahawk that was put into these police reports? A three fifty seven Magnum um, that um, was loaded with hollow points and had a reload. It was in a bag in the back, so I never really mentioned it because it wouldn't have come into play. Uh, the two vehicle, the two uh, firearms that were actually at my you know arms reach were a three eighty, kind of a knockoff of an H and K made in Hungary, and my wife's hammerless thirty eight Special revolver. I have no idea who this guy is, what he's armed with, or what he's capable of. He could have hosed down the entire crowd. I decided a firefight was not what I needed there under that stoplight on that Friday afternoon, and I was going to just present some kind of show of power, some kind, just let him see me. I'm 6'3", I'm 225. I reached into my backpack. I was stopped at the hearing from saying this. I thought this was pretty amazing. I literally, I felt like the Lord guided my hand to the thing that I needed the most. There were many items in my backpack. What came out was an RMJ tactical tomahawk, the Shrike. It is an extraction tool used by our special forces in Iraq and Afghanistan. I have a prototype that was given to me by the knife master, Ryan Johnson, here in town. It is made to cleave metal to open up cars like can openers and to bust glass. And I don't mean spiderweb, but I don't mean crack it. I mean, it evaporates glass. All I was going to do, this is a good place to stop. As a matter of fact, this would be a good place for you to call me, Jeff Stiles, or go to jeffstylesamerica.com or mlproductionsllc.com. If you would like to advertise on this show in the future, and as you hear in the background here, we actually have Queen, one of the rockinest tunes they ever did. I'm in love with my car. This would be a perfect one for an auto dealer, a rock band. Roger Taylor did the vocals on it, but he was always the rocker in the band. And possibly NASCAR. It doesn't make any difference to me, but this is going to be my new gig since, again, I am suspended without paying until this is over. So I'll probably be terminated. This would be a good spot for all your uh, car people because uh, you could have cleaved a car, more or less, into with the tomahawk you presented I will, in for self-defense. one nanosecond, I will go back to the official report and the witness, not unknown to the investigator, confirmed that he was striking the vehicle. Uh, one of the TV stations reported that I was waving the tomahawk around. Again, think, I stopped at the light. He caught up with me. I got out. We haven't gotten to the shooting yet. And I repeatedly hit the vehicle. If I had hit the vehicle, there would be a cleft in the metal. All right? That there is, it doesn't chip paint. It doesn't leave dents. So we'll get back to what happened now, the shooting itself. My thinking, and I'm going to actually just move over very quickly, and this is the law in the state of Tennessee, the law that actually I was fully within my grounds and bounds to actually uh, be within. Um, just give me one second. Let me, let me tell you exactly what happened, and I'll, I'll read you the statute. Um, it had to stop. It had to end right there. I didn't want to get shot. I didn't want to shoot somebody. I thought if I would just step out of my car, keep, keep in mind, I said, step out of my car, present myself in my fullness and had something in my hand that said, buddy, 
I am not running from you anymore. I don't know what your problem is. I was going to, uh, this was my plan. I only had plan A. Plan B didn't exist. I was never going to use the tomahawk. It was going to be the international sign of what the fuck? What the hell? What is wrong with you? Get off my ass. And I fully expected him to make some sort of, okay, man, calm down. And it would be over. I falsely profiled him. I, I, I badly profiled him. He is doesn't look like a gangbanger. He doesn't look like a meth head. You can go to jeffstylesamerica.com and check out the way he looks before and after the many crimes he's committed in Ray County and the priors in Florida. You can check it all out. The guy doesn't learn his lesson. He is a sociopath. I talked about the blank look on his face, the fact that he was on the phone with his girlfriend the entire time. I, he just... I didn't think he would shoot me to my face, and I was wrong. As soon as I stepped out of the car, the very second, there was no advancing toward him. There was no walking toward the vehicle. I stepped out of my car, and I took the stance but never got to mouth the words because the gun that was already in his lap came up in his hand and was pointed directly at me, and I acted defensively. I didn't have a plan B. I didn't expect to use anything. I didn't expect to have a gun pointed at me, but that was my stand. And when that gun was pointed at me, I reacted by taking two steps, swinging the tomahawk, which again molecularizes, just just vaporizes glass. All the glass, and this was also testified under oath, even the investigator agreed all the glass goes inside. So he is now showered with glass where he had been pointing at my body mass. This is important to note. He was pointing at my body mass and was about to squeeze the trigger. And in the three, less than four seconds that it took me to make those two steps, crack his window, simultaneously he fired. Simultaneously. It was not as though the the glass was gone and he reached for his weapon in fear. Again, if he was in fear of me, why didn't he just stay the hell away from me? He was behind me. I was in fear of him. My show of force didn't work. Most people, if they are killed by a gunshot, have a a defensive wound in their hand. If They're close to the gunman. They're going, no, no, holding their hand up like that's going to stop something. You can't help it. It's just just what you do, or you're trying to push the gun away. That was my self-defensive mood. Crack, clash, crash goes the glass, crack goes the gun. I'm not sure you'd have to put me under hypnosis to figure out which one came first. But I can tell you this. The first thing that came out that was extruded from my exit wounds were slivers of glass. So the glass was not gone when he fired the bullet. And then, of course, the shrapnel came out and everything else. But here's the way the Tennessee law reads. And then, by the way, I just basically, I realized I was shot. I pulled out my handkerchief. Um, You can see the wound is pretty much healed, the entrance wound. Exit wound doesn't look as good. It was gushing blood. It felt like a bee sting at first. I mean, I saw the crack, I saw the flash, I felt the sting, a little bitty dime-sized drop of blood here, then I look at this end, it's a fire hydrant. Handkerchief comes out, I put it on the wound, still got the tomahawk in my hand, walk back to my car, throw the tomahawk on top of my pack, and the light turns green. 25 seconds. And I leave, let me read one more thing. This is again from the official report, and this is one of those that gets me, because he perjured himself so many times on the stand, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, said that he proceeded to leave the area to find a safe place to call the police. And in various reports, it talked about how I watched him speed away. 
He couldn't speed away. He was on my bumper, and there were cars behind him on both sides of him. He couldn't move until I moved. That entire thing happened in 25 seconds. I put my car in gear. My arm still worked then. My hand still worked then. And I drove to the Grub Road intersection, and by then I realized my arm was failing. I could not both hold the wheel and try to staunch the blood flow at the same time. And I pulled over directly past Grub Road, which was 20 feet. That's important. We'll go ahead and take a break here. Don't put getting shot on your resume. I'm going to go ahead and continue to drink this water for one second. And uh, as John Hyatt's classic, Have a Little Faith in Me, comes up. And I'm so appreciative of the people that did have faith in me. And they are many, and they know who they are. They are movers and shakers. I have character reference letters that were sent in from the Senator Bob Corker, from uh, the former Mayor Ron Littlefield, one of the most glowing things I've ever seen. I was humbled. Uh, just, Just... Leaders of men and women in this area, and almost all of them, have been criticized roundly on my talk radio show over the years. We agree on very little, but they have faith in my credibility. And this would be a good place for an advertiser. I'd just stick in a spot here, maybe a a church, as we have have a little faith in playing in the background, or some New Age Crystal place. I'm not really sure. You know, rehab, an attorney group. I'm a cult. It doesn't make any difference. I need money. Maybe a a really comfortable mattress to to lay your arm after (laughs) it almost got shot off. It's uh, if I had been at 20 yards away, since you don't know anything about ballistics. Um, that bullet would have taken my arm completely off. And yeah, the muzzle so, velocity is not the fastest a bullet travels. It actually picks up speed. Yeah, so fr- from the muzzle, it's it will pick up speed for a moment and then drop, and then it'll get lower. From, so from what I from what I understand from watching crime yes. scene investigation, and there and there was there was a point to me trying to bring this up, and just looking at your arm, I see from where I, where I'm sitting, what I assume is the entry wound. Yes. That's, which that's it, plain. Yeah, and then the exit that, wound. That one there and which, all the stuff around it. Which, from uh, from what I gather, and this is completely amateur, this is uh, on a whim. So the entry wound, from what I gather, is going to be smaller than the exit wound. Always. Always. Because the exit wound kind of explodes, Especially correct? when you use a, a, a projectile that is designed to do that. This okay. was a copper-shrouded uh, bullet. Okay. He had a nine millimeter. I found and, out later. And, and what I was, what I'm saying is, there's zero science behind this. This is strictly from what I understand from watching like Law and Order, and just looking at your arm real quick. So from what I also understand, when you swing a hatchet, your motion will go from your hip and up. And when your arm is pointed toward your hip, the uh, one part of your elbow will show, which is uh, I, guess, I guess you would call the outside. Sure. I, it's like it's for so put your arm at, at your sides, you know, at your listeners, and look at what part of your elbow will be on the outside. Okay, not now you see that that's where the entry wound is from from what I'm looking at. I can tell you than, exactly how I got there. Less than two and a half feet away, so this is going to be pre pre threatening the hatchet. And this this is actually two steps. I lowered my body because I could see what he was aiming at, and he did say these words. I aimed at his body mass. I don't know if I hit him. That comes into play. I aimed at his body mass. I don't know if I hit him. Well, he didn't hit me because I lowered myself just instinctively. This is all going on instinct. I also had that sort of derided. Um, 
there's a lot of little cliches and bumper stickers. You know, don't take a knife to a gunfight. Don't take a tomahawk to a gunfight. The prosecutor. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that one. Yeah, don't take a tomahawk that, to a gunfight. That, that, that yeah. was great. And she said, don't take a tomahawk to a gun party. Well, we all remember back in the late 60s and 70s where all the guys would throw their guns in a bowl and the women would reach in there and pick out, you know, the gun that they, you know, they liked the best. And then they'd shoot the guy that scared them the most. That's oh, kind of where we're going. I, I, yeah. I miss those. That's, that's, I miss that's, those that's where we're going. And, um, I mean, it, this it's quick draw county now. That's what we live in. Because before you wind up with a tomahawk or within a, with a bat, with a nightstick, you can be a cop, you can be whatever, your arm is going to be at your side. When you swing, your arm is going to raise. And right there it is. Right there, right there it is. And then if I hit and all of my body motion moves like this and he's torquing or if he shoots and I've already begun the motion, he can't stop it then. I can't stop no, it then. No, he, he can't and stop it, it and boom. you can't stop it. And there it goes. But if he shot after you swung, then the entry wounds should be on your inside arm. Yes. So if your arm is up and swinging towards the vehicle, yes. the inside of your arm, the inside of your bicep should be showing towards Nobody the vehicle. Nobody put any work into ballistics on this, I promise you. Nobody looked for the, the bullet that it exited my body. I can say this. I, I do want to say this. Again, the first responders were incredible. They were remarkable. They were Johnny on the spot. Erlanger Medical ER, incredible. I had to go there last year, unfortunately. I broke my leg very badly and had to go back several times for operations and surgeries. Uh, it's not like I was looking to get wounded again. I'd lost one summer. I hate to lose another one. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, just common sense says, let's see where the bullet went. They didn't do that. I don't think anybody at the hospital, nobody expected me to be released. They took, you know, x-rays, but they were looking for bone. The bone was fractured from the shock wave, but was not hit. Arteries were not hit. The nerve bundle was hit. Yeah, Later God. on, when I started spitting out shrapnel, we went and we found pieces of metal, and they were all in there, and it, you know, I've got a shrapnel collection. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off no, that's okay. and, and, and make you make you lose your groove, no, but no. Just, just watch, just like listening to you speak. I noticed where the where the entry wound would have been, and it just doesn't make sense to me, even just as a true crime enthusiast, that the entry wound, if you were swinging at him and he was shooting at you in self-defense, should be on the inside of your arm. And the timing is just so ridiculous. Again, we'd been there. I, you know, he got up behind me, threatened me again. I got out, two steps, crack, a gunshot, and then I walked back to my car and put it in gear. He, I did not watch him speed off. I watched him speed off later, two miles down the road, when I pulled over because I could no longer drive. I watched him go by. Cars were honking as I left because either the light had turned green or they were letting him know that they'd seen him shoot me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the statute. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get I, to this, this, this is self-defense in the state of Tennessee. A person who is not engaged in unlawful activity and is in a place where the person has a right to be has no duty to retreat before threatening or using force against another person, when and to the degree the person reasonably believes the force is immediately necessary to protect against the other's use or attempted use of unlawful force. And it kind of repeats itself, but notice the slight difference. A person who is not engaged in unlawful activity and is in a place where the person has a right to be has no duty to retreat before threatening or using force intended or likely to cause death or serious bodily injury is if I had a reasonable belief that there was an imminent danger of death or serious bodily injury. And since they negated the 4.2 miles on 111, 
that makes a weaker argument for me, doesn't it? Getting run off the road and all the things that happened, that makes a weaker argument. And so they threw that out, and there goes my reason to believe. And the judge said that. What happened beforehand doesn't make any difference. It only matters what happened there. Or the threat of force, which was what I did. I was using the threat of the force of my body and whatever I had at my disposal to make him stop chasing me. Exactly. And I acted in self-defense when he pointed the gun directly at me, and I did it successfully. He's not dead. I'm not dead. No innocent bystanders were hurt. You know, laying yeah. at my side, I was not at rest. Yeah, so so you were not at. I'm just kind of just trying to slow down time for our listeners. That's that's interesting that you bring that up. Continue, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay, so so you you are standing more or less just arms at your side. You're uh you have already pulled the hatchet out of your car. I would imagine at this point because this person is uh, being threatening to you in the rearview mirror. So you are more or less either for ready the umpteenth time. Yeah, so you are either ready to or about to be ready to grab. So you already already have or about to grab uh your your defense weapon, but the bullet has already either begun to or is about to pierce you at this point in time. So if the law does dictate that you are allowed to brandish a weapon to defend yourself or to attempt to defend yourself if you are being threatened at this point in time between the bullet penetrating and leaving your arm you are now allowed to brandish your tomahawk oh i mean before then before then i mean well before then yeah but they, yeah, they're, saying, they're ignoring yeah, I was, exactly exactly and and i mean obviously i could not have used that arm again so there was no second strike or third strike or fourth strike and the only thing that i can assume the only thing that kept him from unloading his weapon into my back as I walked away was the fact that he was cleaning glass out of his hair and his eyes and his body and off his lap, and it allowed me that chance to get away. And at that point, we both realized that something really incredibly bad had happened. All right, we'll take one more break here. And this is Mary Gaucher and her beautiful song, Mercy Now. I had a chance to meet her. And again, this would be a fantastic place for an advertiser to give me a ring or to possibly contact me at jeffstylesamerica.com or at miproductionsllc.com. And this could be a good spot for, I don't know, a left-wing, you know, extremist group, an anti-death penalty group, or just anybody who's just down with being merciful. This is a beautiful and pleasant song, and I'm trying to find forgiveness in my heart and in my soul and in my mind, I have lived with this for a long time now. Again, my life has been ruined. I may lose my house. My, I most definitely will lose my job, I'm sure. And this man was complaining about having to buy a $400 window. He was the attacker. He was the provoker. I was the victim. And it got turned around somehow. And I still don't get it. Here's so, some, maybe I'll give you some of the media coverage. Yeah, so maybe if if, if even you are a, uh, an auto glass repair company. Oh, that, oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, if you want to send you us know, like a windshield to send to this guy to this, tell him to shut up. At this point, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not going to turn down money. I have none. I haven't had any money for some time now. Um, just, just, just to give you an idea, uh, we had requested the original report that uh, after I was put under oath after giving my story three times. An officer showed up, and I am an alcoholic, and I am an addict, and I've been clean for 11 years. Uh, there may have been a slip or two in there somewhere. It's been a struggle, but 
The fact of the matter is, is opiates have not in my, been in my body for a long time. With the full, whole first breaking of my leg, both lower leg bones, five places, two of them were compound, and the surgery without any opiates whatsoever. This thing started to hurt badly at a point. By the time they got to the hospital, they were ready to give me morphine, and I was ready to have it. Guess when he showed up and put me under oath? He asked, and I said, it'd be okay. I'll tell the story the exact same way. And this, is good. this comes into the blackout thing. It was right after the morphine was rolling through my veins. Everybody feels the relief from pain. Some people feel a euphoric feeling. Some of us who are rather experienced in life, it is more than euphoric. It was something I haven't felt in a long time. And it was going to be okay for just a minute. And they say that I said I blacked out. And I've struggled with that. I don't think I said it. And they never supplied us with a recording or even a transcript of a recording. But you were talking about that, that instant. Everybody's been in a wreck, right? An automobile accident where your brain goes into super high-speed motion. Time slows down and your brain starts doing that Sherlock Holmes trajectory thing. And you're looking at options. You're thinking about what's going on. And you're worried about your kids. And all this stuff is happening. And that is what was happening at that time, it doesn't just happen in wrecks. It happens when I'm in a kayak and I've been trapped in a, in a, in a, in a hydraulic for a while. You think you're going to drown. You go into that state. And the only thing I can think of is that that morphine was hitting me. And I had that feeling I was struggling to come up with words to describe what it was like. And I may have said it was like blacking out. I may have said I almost just blacked out. I don't know. But I wish I could make that go away. We'll talk about the hearing later in another podcast. But it's just remarkable to me. I said 14 times at the hearing that just occurred this week, I never blacked out. I never blacked out. I never blacked out. But what did the judge go back to and read verbatim? The damn original report. He actually corrected me. He had the audacity, the temerity, the, the, the hubris the arrogance to correct me. I was there. There are only two people that knew what happened that day and the Lord and judge you ain't him. So don't correct me on grub road and boy scout road. I know exactly where I was. And as a matter of fact, the ambulance driver, as I was saying, how far did I drive? What, you know, several, several hundred feet. He goes, no, you drove a lot further than that, buddy. The arresting officer that day, the people in the, in the emergency room that night said the same thing. You drove further than that. The arresting officer came to give me that next day. I knew he was coming. They were super cool. They were chill. I got in the car. We could see. I pointed out. That's where right there, that mark, that's where my car came out of the gravel right there. See it right there in front of the runaway dr- truck ramp? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I'm still not sure exactly how far I drove. He goes, you drove a pretty good ways. It's 20 feet from Grub Road to Gwen Road which is where I called 911. I called 911 within two minutes. So he gets this hero thing going, according to the affidavit of complaint, that he goes and drives looking for a safe place. I've already gone 18 minutes, 10-something miles. What that put his speed at? So he he's... He's fleeing a crime scene. That's what he's doing. Among the things they got wrong. After I mean, I, I, I threw the phone down. It's 911. St- you will hear that call later. They showed up while I'm still on the phone with them. I'm having a hard time holding onto the phone. It's like a trout. It's so slippery with blood. I lost two and a half liters of blood in my vehicle. In my vehicle. Can you do that in 20 feet? Hmm. No. Not with the wound I had. And this thing mentions a Sonata, a Sonata, a Sonata. This is the search and seizure warrant. I don't have a Sonata. I have a Santa Fe. 
Why didn't that get brought up? Why didn't his priors get brought up? Why were we not allowed to bring up the fact that he perjured himself? We had the evidence right there, but we were told to shut up. I can't even say the Lord guided my hand, but the judge had the capacity to go as long as he wanted to and belittle me and say ridiculously just just juvenile things. Something like some old lady would call me on my radio show and go, why couldn't the cops just shoot the gun out of his hand? Why couldn't they shoot him in the leg or the arm and wound him? He literally said this. And this after the guy said, I shot, I was aiming at his body mass, don't know if I hit him. The judge said, he must have been a pretty good shot to hit you in the arm. I'd have shot at the body mass. Was he even listening? Was he even listening? And this will be our final stop here. One more commercial break. Got some uh, blind boys playing here, blind boys of Alabama. Amazing Grace, son to the tune of House of the Rising Sun. You got your sort of dichotomy there, good and evil, black and white. And there'll be some more blind boys coming up shortly. And this one goes out to all the asshats. The guy that shot me, the people who lied or are too inept to fill out an official report correctly, and the media, God bless you. I am never going to ever, ever use the term fake news because I can't stand that. I've stood up for the American media and American journalism for a long time. But the incapacity to put two and two together, to figure out that there were time lapses in a story. You can't swerve at somebody from in front of them. He said, I, I pulled over on the side of the road and tried to get him to come over and fight. You've seen my leg. You've seen that scar. I don't have flexibility in that leg. Look at that hand, my left hand, which is my good hand now. See that? That finger sticking out? Mm-hmm. That catches on everything. That was supposed to be fixed. It was not. You think I want to get in a fight with one good hand and one good leg? No, of course not. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, and and if I pulled over the side of the road, why didn't he go on, for God's sakes? And he was behind me the entire time. When I pulled over, I saw him go by. He didn't speed away from the scene. He wasn't looking for a safe place. And he didn't call the police. He'd already been blue-lighted by a ranger. I did not black out. And if this was stupid, I remember every nanosecond of it. They could have written the support where I was the hero. I chose not to take a man's life. I was shot. Yes. I lost two and a half liters of, of blood. My brain was racing as to what had just occurred. There was even a moment when I saw him driving by me on Gwynn Road, 20 feet from Grub Road. Um, and two miles, essentially, from Boy Scout Road, where the incident actually occurred. And everybody that was there that night knew that, and nobody has corrected anybody. And I've been corrected falsely by several people. Oh, it says right here, well, we, we, you know, you're, I can see why you'd be mistaken. No, that's what it was. I, I actually had a momentary lapse of reason. I almost pictured the guy pulling in and go, dude, I can't believe that just happened. That was more realistic to me True. than the continuation of this and the farce that it got to. Um, I mentioned this, just the media. I, I did not speak to them. I feel somewhat hypocritical because I always said, if you're innocent, act innocent. The thing is, when I was being viewed as the victim and we had every bit of evidence on our side, all the guys' priors, and I'm telling the truth, and I've told the same story again and again and again with no variations whatsoever, while the story's gone all over the place. I, I didn't feel like it was necessary. By the time we released our statement and 
apparently some of the folks decided to form the thin blue line around this guy. And let me tell you, there's nothing in the world better than a good cop, and there's nothing in the world better than a bad cop. I'm not saying he was, but somebody was. He might have written the, 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 the report correctly. Maybe somebody above him did some editing. I don't know. Maybe he was under somebody's thumb, but that needs to be investigated because there's no reason for this report to be so fouled up. And the, the media, of course, they don't do any real searching. They go out and get sound bites. And people that I know in the media were writing about me, and they have to be as objective as they can, but they're just going with this thing. Like I said, they already they put words in my mouth saying things I didn't say. Um, Bullington fired a single round that struck Styles in the right arm, then left the scene before calling 911 and met with police officers in a different location. We've already talked about the real story there. He did that after he got uh, stopped by a ranger. Um, this one, I guess, is from the Times Free Press. Um, got the, again, got it wrong. Give me no credit for making the first 911 call. They knew it was 15, they said it was 18 minutes later because of my first call. The first person, the first responder that showed up that was there had been at the huddle house right there where it happened. And, and he actually knew me and, and he was going, man, I was, I was just right there. So, I mean, it's just amazing. This thing just continues. <clears throat> and it says here where unnamed um, had been detained by a park ranger, but that never got picked up by anybody else. It was never mentioned, you know, by the Chattanooga Police Department. They got things wrong that they could have corrected. But by the time it got so far down the road, they were so wrong there's no way they could go back and apologize and say, we screwed that up. They had to stick with their story and everybody else stuck with them there. Here goes. Styles said he reached the door. He blacked out only coming out of it after he was shot. Excuse me. Two things that he picked up from my statement. That one, which I've already talked about did not happen. And I also said, I went red. And when you say the word rage, 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 and then red, you think what going Red with rage, yeah. like the whole. Naturally. I meant redneck. And that's not an insult. That is a term I embrace. A southern, white, rural male can only be pushed so far. And 14 miles is a pretty good long time. I was not trying to offend anybody, but red was not working for me. And when I tried to correct that, then redneck became the huge phrase. What is the term I should have used for a man standing up for himself? I was trying to make a stand, show some sign of force, and, and I am not going to be dicked with. I'm not going to be chased. I'm not going to be terrorized anymore. Nobody got hurt but me. How do I end up having my life ruined? And this guy, who I promise you, you do not want anywhere around you because he is nuts. He has serious, breathtaking anger management skills, our issues. Excuse me. He's got great driving skills. He was on the phone the whole time driving with one hand. And I mean, this, this, is what I, this is what gets me. And I'll finish it with this. I mentioned this already. The judge actually saying from the stand as he continued to just editorialize, I couldn't say a word. I couldn't correct him. He read off the wrong, erroneous report several times. Then he talked about, you know, he's a good shot because he shot you in the arm. He didn't hear the testimony. So welcome to Quick Draw County. 
I mean, the, the CVB, uh, the Convention Visitor Bureau, the tourist people, Hotel Motel Association, restaurant tours, all you tourist attractions out there, this is what we're going to have. Everybody, 19 out of 20 people I know, good friends, supporters, everybody, why didn't you just shoot it? Why didn't you just shoot it? Right? So, yeah, that's what we've come to. It would have been better for me, according to the judge, the prosecution, the young lady who was the fifth person from the DA's office that got this case dumped on, but they didn't want it. And they all said essentially the same thing. So you, you grabbed a tomahawk when you had a gun. So they're saying you should have shot him. You should have got your gun. It makes more sense to have just shot him dead. Now let's think about that for a second. Now I'm charged with homicide because none of those people there at that light knew what had happened before. And he's dead. So he can't screw up his own story, which he's done. I'm terminated immediately. And, and, and so that's what we want to be in. Quick draw county. Come on down. I mean, we plug them. We don't hug them. Be the first to draw. Be the first to shoot. Get some blood on your hands. If they're scaring you, don't be a scared. Just blow their damn brains out. Come on down to quick draw county. That's the message we're sending out to the world. And we gave him the message. We gave him a free pass on the worst crime he's ever committed. So they're basically saying either the man's window or the man's life. The man's window uh, is more important than the man's life. That's certainly the message that I get. That, that's, that's I am being questioned. What, my, my entire, it was called far-fetched. My story was far-fetched because it began here and it included all these things that happened. I'm not sure what's so far-fetched about that, but the fact that I got out without a firearm when I had a firearm and I didn't shoot him and kill him when I had the right and the capacity and ability to do so. I chose not to kill him and take a life. He tried to take mine. I'm charged. He's not. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a that's a wonderful lesson to send out. Come on down to Quick Draw County, y'all. Yeah, and you, you had what uh, four weapons on you? Even more. Well, four weapons. They could make anything. They've got me list. I think they had just four or five knives. Those are all just in a Leatherman, you know, just corkscrews and stuff. Well, it's, I'm saying, so we have the the tomahawk that you were ultimately used. Yeah. Uh, and from from three, this show, two three, firearms three, that three I, firearms. I could have gotten to, but, but I three mean, firearms it, it, in total. It just yeah, it just it, it it's it's just that I, I made a split second instinctive decision not to kill the guy to try to make it stop without using lethal force. That's what it got done. That's what happened there, and the judge said that's all that matters, and all the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. So we'll just take it straight there, and that's what I'm telling you, folks. Don't come to Quick Draw County if you don't have a gun. And if you got it and somebody's scaring you, shoot them. Because it's not going to work out well for you if you don't. You better shoot first. All right. So I guess that's going to be the first episode of this. Do you have anything else aside from that? There'll be two more podcasts on this story. I'll actually get further and deeper into the media coverage and some of the things that have happened to me since. I guess you call it the corporate crucifixion. Um, and just the effects. Again, I meant for this to be a cautionary tale. This is not me making up an excuse. Go back and look. The story has not changed. I want people to understand this is the world we live in. And just because you do the right thing doesn't mean you're going to come out on the right side. And I don't know what else to say. I'm trying to find forgiveness. It is not coming easily. I know it has to happen at some point or it will eat me alive. But right now I am absolutely filled with bitterness, disdain, disappointment, disgust, all the disses, and just plain anger. Anger. I mean, and the guy that shot me is probably the least of the, of the bunch. 
It's just the, the erroneous facts that continue to get reported. It's the, the, the cowardly corporate decision made by my, my, my corporation, the folks that employ me at my radio station. After 26 years, there is nobody that can tell you. I will tell the truth when it's to my detriment. I will tell the truth when I have nothing to gain from it. I have to do that. Credibility is all I have. That is my tool in trade. But that was wiped out by a man who's a sociopath and a pathological liar. He asked the media not to show his picture because he was getting threats. You're getting threats. Oh, and you lost a window. Damn, I hate that, man. I can't use my arm. I just lost my career. My entire family's affected. You, you put it on the scales of justice. But go to, go to <laughs> JeffStylesAmerica.com. Only Jeff Styles America will continue after the next two podcasts on this story. I do not intend to go back and tell it again until I'm forced to do so in a criminal court or in front of a, some sort of grand jury inquisition. I don't know. I'm going to be cooperative like I have been from the beginning, but I'm not going to change my story because it's the truth. The truth is easy to remember. The truth is you, you don't change your story when you're telling the truth. And I want you all to listen to the next two podcasts, please, and continue to listen to everything that the dude in black does and his friends, and continue to just do the best you can. Send prayers and good vibes my family's way. Even if you don't like me, can't stand me, I just never have liked me, just, just send them into the degree and direction of my family, because they need something to really hang their hat on right now. They need some hope, because we don't have much. Our hope to have the next podcast up and running, hopefully by Wednesday. We'll see. Uh, then th- one more after that, which is kind of the whole aftermath thing. I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm not trying to degrade anybody. But I hope that it is getting under some people's skin. Um, I don't want threats, but I'd definitely like for them to be really rethinking what they've done because they've done me wrong, and they've done a whole lot of people wrong. They've done justice wrong. It is the legal system, not the justice system. Keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. We need to always keep our minds open, question everything, question everything we hear. Uh, but outside of that, that's, that's definitely been this episode. Uh, any final thoughts there, Jeff? Thank you for having me. All right, absolutely. Stay tuned to both of our websites. Like uh, we have repeated over here, JeffStylesAmerica.com, as well as on my productions, LLC.com. Other than that, you guys have yourself an excellent rest of your day. Check out the rest of our content.